America and Americans. We thrive on freedom, independent thought, and control over our lives and our futures. Except for one thing, all of that has been lost during the pandemic, and it's having a dangerous impact on us culturally and our individual psyche as a result. So here's the question. Are we forever changing? Is the America that we've known, the American psyche that we've known gone forever? Or are we just in another cycle of our evolution? I'm going to look at the pieces of the puzzle today. I'm going to look at the lockdowns. I'm going to look at COVID. I'm going to look at the anger, the social injustice, the violence. And we're going to look at it from a cross-cultural point of view and see how these disconnected pieces actually all make sense. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share. Tell your friends. Thanks so much. Hi there, Facebook. Happy Thursday afternoon. I'm Sarah Heiner, and we're going to have our health and happiness show today. So I'm very excited about what we're going to talk about today. It's not specifically, what should I do about it like normal? It's not a problem, fix it kind of thing. But we're going to look at the pieces of the puzzle of what's going on around us and try to put those together. The Between the quarantine, COVID, violence, anger, social injustice, all those things surprisingly are related. So I'm very excited to talk about that and put those pieces of the puzzle together and see and understand what the impact of the pandemic and the quarantine has had in creating a lot of those problems and on our psyche and emotions and our health. Um, so with that, let me just give you a couple of my usual bookkeeping reminders. Um, we have more of these videos. Anyone that misses it today, or if you wanna tell anybody to come watch this video, it'll be in our videos on the Facebook page or in another week or so, it will be on our YouTube channel, which is growing. So come follow us on YouTube. Uh, bottomlineinc.com. We have hundreds of videos actually that have been producing over the last few years. So come on over there. Um, or again, it'll be in, in the list of um, videos in the channel here in Facebook Live. We also have a few things. There are going to be links in here because I have some great information for you to be able to download. One is nothing is better and more important for your health and for your defenses against COVID than boosting your immune system. And the doctors aren't talking about it. They're telling you to mask and wash your hands, which are all important, but there's so many more things that you can do for your health and to protect you. And they're not talking about it. We've done a number of Facebook lives about those, um, vitamin D and zinc in particular. Um, but also we've got a great download that is the link's gonna be in here. Download that book, share it with your friends because all I wanna do is share the great bottom line information to help you be healthy and happy. Um, we also, speaking of happiness, there's going to be another link in there. Of, I'm working on a project about happiness and helping us all develop, find it. You know, somehow happiness in, in America in particular seems to be this fleeting thing we have defining. And I think we're having a happiness problem. So I'm very excited. On February 4th, I'm going to be doing a webinar, totally free. Um, actually, it'll be one of these Thursday afternoons, but uh, you have to sign up a little bit differently for that. So there'll be a link in there so that you can sign up for that. Um, what else I have next week, we're going to talk about some romance because Valentine's day is coming up. And for now though, that's, I think all the reminders I have. If you have any questions, put them in the chat box. They will cycle back to me. Lauren, as usual, will be forwarding me them. So when I look down, it's not because I'm uh, doing my groceries. It's because I'm getting messages from what's going on on the chat on Facebook. So share those messages with me. And hopefully, cross your fingers, my dog will behave. Meeker, who some of you have seen in my pictures and on my Instagram, um, my little Maltipoo is on my lap today. And hopefully he will behave and he will not bark should any delivery people come. So I'll apologize in advance, but I'm hoping he'll be good. All right, um, let me introduce for you Dr. Clotaire Rapai, um, who is up very late, he's in France. Um, so. We're going to hopefully, again, the connection will stay clear. They're having a little bit of internet problems in France, but um, so we're going to hope that this all goes very well because it's great conversation. Um, anyway, so Dr. Clotero Pai, he's an internationally known expert in marketing, cultural architect discoveries, archetype discoveries, and creativity and innovation. He's the founder of Archetype Discoveries Worldwide, which is a marketing consulting group um, that has worked with some of the top brands to help them understand um, how to talk to their customers based on their cultural archetypes. Really fascinating concept. Um, his unique approach to marketing combines a psychoanalyst, uh, uh, psychoanalyst's um, depth of analysis with, I'm, I'm reading this so I get it right and I'm tripping over it. Isn't that cute? 
Um, psychoanalyst depth of right um, depth of analysis with a businessman's attention to practical concerns. So as I said, like worked with some of the top brands, and we'll talk about some of those examples. Um, his clients and projects include helping Chrysler develop and launch the iconic PT Cruiser, and helping Nestle launch a coffee product into the Japanese market where nobody drank coffee, nobody had any interest in coffee, yet they managed to do it. Um, he's the author of 17 books, including, as I said, The Culture Code, which is a phenomenal book, really eye-opening. Um, and you can learn more about him and his work at archetypediscoveries.com. So welcome, Dr. Rapai. I really appreciate you being here. Great pleasure to be with you. All right, so let's start out. Can you give a little bit of background of the concept of The Culture Code? Because whatever I said doesn't do it justice, but just give people a little bit of framework of what we're talking about and how that, why we're going to be talking about that today. Each culture has a code. What I mean by that is a code is like the numbers you have on the door that you have to punch to open the door. So if you, if you have the number but not in the right order, you cannot open the door. So a code is the access to the collective emotion, to what resonates with people. See, so uh, we can take a lot of examples to explain that, but you know, we, uh, if you want to speak about food, for example, right? Um, if you look at the American culture, uh, you have a gas station and uh, McDonald next to each other, and you do exactly the same thing to get some gas or to get some food, mm -hmm. because the code of food in America is fuel. And so, of course, this is the same structure. You take the same time, you stay in your car, you pay the same way, you know, and so, and when you finish eating, what do you say? I'm full. Yes. You know, <laughs> fill, up, fill up the tank, mm -hmm. you see? And so that, that is part of the American code, if you want. But if you are in France, you know, the, the Americans have invented fast food, but the French and have invented slow food. Yes. If you don't have time, don't eat. Even if you go to a restaurant and the food is ready, they always keep you waiting anyway, just for pleasure. <laughs> I thought that was because I was American. <laughs> Especially if you're American, absolutely. Right. You see, so but why is that? Because the purpose of food in France is not to fill up a tank, it's pleasure. Yeah. And food is an art, l'art culinaire. The chef, huh, is, they, are, they are stars. They have two, three, four stars. And they are like, like the same, we have the same word for chef in France, for chef d'orchestre, for a conductor of an orchestra. Mm -hmm. So you see, the, and, and there's so many movies and books and things written about the chef. It's amazing. So, uh, but you need to have the time. You know, I was born in France and today I'm an American, so I'm familiar with the both culture. And I have two boys. One was born in France, one was born in Los Angeles. So I, I, I see the two cultures in action all the time, you see? And so my mother in France will prepare a pot au feu. A pot au feu is a pot which is in the fire. And for several days, days, uh, she keep adding things in it. And again, you see, so this is, and then one day, whoa, we have the pot au feu, you know, ooh. but the time, the talent, the choices of different ingredients. So this is an art for pleasure, you see. So, and and that, that's why, for example, the, the yeah. I was gonna say, so at the what? root of this, you know, underneath it is that you talk about the deep emotions and the imprinting very early on that these codes yeah. are developed from our emotional connection within our environment. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, I'm not sure I understand your question. We, so I, wanted to, the I wanted them to understand that, that these are the, the emotional connection to each of these. So the codes, you yeah. pull the codes out from the deep emotions that as you've interviewed people that you find out underneath that the emotions in America, food is just fuel because we're so, focused on activity versus the French yeah. that, you know, their emotions are focused in a different way. You see the, the, the key element for my work is to try to understand the first imprint. So when as a child, you have your first imprint about food, 
uh, in France is different from the first imprint about food in America. This is very, very different. See, so this first imprint is done through emotion. If there is no emotion, there is no imprint, see? So that, that's why education, when people are just uh, in a classroom, um, uh, they need emotion to learn. You see, we need emotion to learn. And so the, the strong imprints are usually very emotional. We, we, there is a strong emotion associated with that, you see. So um, some people understand that the, the, the power of the emotion is very, very important to create uh, the first imprint. So uh, the, the basic things associated with survival, like food, of course, a very strong imprint. Mm -hmm. And that's why you go from one culture to another, uh, from Japan to China to India to Turkey and so on. Uh, food is different. And the rituals associated with food are different. Yes. You see? And so when you look at the French culture, one of the key elements of the French culture, and they're very snobbish about it, right, is pleasure pleasure. They think that they are the only one to have a culture of pleasure. The other people around the world, they don't know what, what, you know, what they're speaking about. But the French are oh, pleasure is number one, which by the way, creates a lot of frustration because they don't always get the pleasure they want, but yeah. they know, they know what is a real pleasure they should have. So for example, let me give an example. Uh, they, they will never eat a salad at the beginning of, of, of a meal, of, of dinner, for example. Never, you don't start with a salad. Why? Because pleasure. Ah, so what does it mean? It means that if you are really uh, an artist in terms of food and you combine the food with wine and there is a special wine for every kind of food, right? Yeah. But if you have a salad, there is vinaigre, so wine, Vinegar, you know, the wine that is sore. So the vinegar uh, killed the taste of the wine. Oh, interesting. So, so if, you eat salad, if, you, if you eat the salad at the beginning, you are an American. Interesting. Now I know. All right, so let's, let's get to America's culture. Because this, when I read the book, I, now I know why we, we always do that. Um, you talk about, so America, and one of the driving codes of America, you describe American culture as adolescent. And yeah, that yeah, our, yeah. our youthful attitude, our drive for independence, our argumentativeness, our lust for power, I'll call it. Um, talk about that, because that, that to me was the big aha and framing in yeah. the whole frustration, the whole quarantine and angst and anger. So talk about America as adolescent. I read it and I went, oh my gosh, like that, it so defines us. Yeah, you see that the notion of adolescence is that you are in permanent search of identity. So there is tons of book, books about, you know, how to uh, know yourself better, how to be improve this, how to learn. I mean, it's like, you know, you never arrived. You always want to learn more self-help books, you know, a lot of self-help books, right? So we, this is an adolescent culture, which means that they're always looking for an identity. You know, some people will tell me, uh, you know, oh, I, I am a 90 year old and I still going, and I still don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. Yes. They're 90 year old. Mm -hmm. The reality is that if you're an American, you never want to grow up. It's boring, mm -hmm. you're done, you're at the end of the road, you see. But if you're in permanent search, you can reinvent yourself so many times in the American culture. You know, the, the comeback kid archetype, huh? uh, you, you, you learn by making mistakes, but if, the more you make mistakes, the more you learn. Yes, you, see? Well, you also and said so something about the immigrant, like we're an immigrant culture because everybody in America is an immigrant and how it- Absolutely. And immigrants unto themselves are rebellious because they've left their prior culture and they've come yeah. here to be able to forge a new life, to right. build, to create, to succeed, to do all that they want to do in this new place. And you see, what is very interesting for me is that even in the, the constitution and the, the classic uh, text of the American culture, you have the right to happiness. What? Yeah, it's a right. Wow. 
am I going to sue somebody if I'm not happy? <laughs> you know, because that should be a right, you see. And don't see that in any other culture. In Japan, oh, you don't have any rights. You have only duties. And if you don't respect your duties, you kill yourself. Harakiri, seppuke, whatever. So the, the, the search for happiness is so American. It's, it's amazing, amazing. Now, again, it's an ongoing, because you are an adolescent, so it's an ongoing quest, an ongoing search. It's never done. Well, and is it, I mean, it's never done, and there's this expectation so that when we can't get it, like what, that this being locked in and not being able to pursue our happiness, not being able to go on a bike ride, go out to dinner, all the things that are locking us in are holding us back. And, you know, where you said that Americans like are doers and we're movers, so that we're now not able to follow our core being. You see, the, 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 uh, the pandemics today is reinforcing this adolescent archetype. And so why is that? Because to confine young people, they can't take it. They want to go out. You know? and, and then, of course, when you have been repressed for a long time, the way to explode is through violence. American culture is a very violent culture, very violent culture. Again, my theory is that the structure is the message. You see, uh, who has used an atomic bomb in the world? Americans. Mm -hmm. Twice. Mm -hmm. One was not enough. Boom, boom. You see? So violence. But when you go to medicine, Americans are the one that prescribe the more antibiotics. Not just a little bit. Boom, boom. Two bombs. <laughs> you see? So too much. Always too much. You see, this is it. You know, uh, in, 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 uh, so that, that's part of the American mind. You see, I've done a lot, lot of work on cars, right? American love power. So when I was working in, in, in Detroit with many car makers, you know, they, they were trying to copy the European. And they say, oh, we're going to make a little car, a small car. It's easier to park. It doesn't need too much gas. And I say, is good, good in Switzerland right. <laughs> or in France, but not in America. People want big cars. No, 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 no. Okay, the only thing that sell is a big uh, uh, pickup truck uh, yeah. that is bigger than bigger than anything else. And and you know and the, the you know the, the people in Detroit they give up cars, regular sedan. You know, so mm -hmm. they, they give up. They now concentrating on trucks because they cannot make money with this. Even part of the culture is in Detroit. They don't know how to make money with a small car. Still. So they will sell it losing money, you see. But people are ready to pay a lot of money for a big, big pickup truck, you know. And by the way, the pickup truck is another very American uh, 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 car and code, if you want. You never have pickup truck in France. They don't have that. Why? Because you don't want to pick up a girl with a pickup truck. <laughs> Now, I was doing some work in, in Texas, and they had pickup truck that like, like $90,000, $95,000 a piece with leather and stereo and nice painting. And so mm -hmm. it's luxury, huh? but that's a pickup truck. And, and it, 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 they're happy with that. It's part of the, of, of the mindset. You know, they, so again, this notion of what's happening with, with the pandemic today is people are going to express through a lot of violence. Now, violence, I'm sorry to say that, but is better than depression and is better than suicide, you see? So when you have all this uh, aggressivity, uh, tension and strength inside of you that cannot be expressed, well, either you go out and you start destroying things, which I think is, is too bad, but, but the next thing you can do, if you cannot do that, then you start killing yourself. And there are different ways to kill yourself, so food, drugs, uh, alcohol, mm -hmm. and, and, and we have seen the sales of alcohol and, and people getting, getting a lot of weight, you know, because yeah. they, they eat, they eat, they eat. We did. So this is a self-destructive way. Well, and again, coming back to one of the other aspects of adolescence is the idea of control. And control of our lives has all been taken away from us. And then you talk in the book about, this was so fascinating to me, the, that the code for health in America is movement, 
versus mm-hmm. yeah. where it's obedience. You're if you're yeah. sick, they feel guilty, like they're letting everybody down. And here, That's right. That's right. and here it's all about movement, and all of our movement is being constrained. Where our faces are covered, we are not able to get out of our houses, which, as you said, yeah, is yeah. Then creating this whole psyche of frustration on us. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you see, one of one of my books is called Move Up. Mm-hmm. Move up. It's not just to move, it's to move up, you see? And, and one of the things that American, part of the American culture that I really like is uh, uh, Americans don't try to solve a problem. They make it obsolete. Then you move to something else, you see? So they, 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 this talent of inventing a new dimension is really part of the American culture. You see, it's, it's not fixing things. You know, for example, I, uh, I, I, I spent, you know, almost now uh, 40, uh, more than 40 years in America, and I had several houses, which means I moved a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, becoming an American, I moved a lot, of course. <laughs> and um, it's amazing because I will find a house, I say, well, quite nice. And people say, no, it's old. It's very old. Tear it down. Build a new one. Say, how old is it? Oh, 10 years. Very old, destroy it. Right, which is not ten years. Europe, right. Ten years is wow, is new, you know. Yeah. No, 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 destroy it, you know. And so the, the again, this is notion, you know, destruction, part of the violence, part of the American culture. I was invited in Las Vegas for a big party to see a great destruction. There was a hotel. That was maybe 20 years old, which means it was old now. So we're going to destroy it. And we have experts in America. We know how to put the dynamics at this place and this place and this place. And you know, there was a time, so everybody was there, television, everybody, uh, um, you know, waiters coming with, uh, with a drink and everything. And say, okay, now, wait a minute, silence, destruction time. Okay, so everybody was here and suddenly <sighs> the whole thing went down. And when everything was down, people said, wow, they were, you know, great, you know, what a great destruction. That was just fantastic. I, I was, you know, so shocked by this reaction. You see, I said, first of all, when I saw the building before they destroyed it, I said, it's a great building. What is wrong with this building? <laughs> you know? But it was too old. Okay, so, and then the pleasure in the destruction, it's it absolutely fascinating for me. You see, part of the American culture is, when the when the immigrants arrived, you see, there was not much thing to destroy there, mm-hmm. so they could create a lot of things. But in the same time, they always mm-hmm. wanted to move. You know, go west, young man. Don't stay here. Keep going. You know, I remember at the beginning. I, I, I was uh, uh, living in California for a while, and then I had to go. Uh, and every morning, I was going to a, 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 a diner to to get some coffee. Uh, for my breakfast. So the, the, I knew the place, people, I knew the people, everything was fine. Okay. Then I had to go to New York uh, for a week. And when I came back, I couldn't find the diner. They moved it? Was gone. It was gone. <laughs> wow. One week. Right. You see? Uh-huh. And so I say, there was a diner here. Say, oh, yeah, that was a long time ago, last week. Okay, <laughs> I got it. So, see, and so, but at the same time, this is this ability to reinvent, to recreate the environment that yet you want, which is so core to America. So let me ask you this about again the frustration, the lack of control, and I, you and I talked about this a little bit the other day. In World War II, no one had any idea people were dying all over, or in past pandemics, or whatever. That there have been other times in the past when people had no control, they had no communication, they were in somewhat of similar situations of one kind or another, and yet they didn't go out and destroy themselves. They didn't go out and attack each other verbally and physically. Like what's different this time than in the past? Well, you see, part of the American archetype is the civil war. We love it. You know, we had a civil war. America was created around Alpha America fighting against Alpha America. And so that's the civil war archetype, you see. Uh, 
this is the moment where the frustration might create another civil war. You see, we, maybe we were close to that. I don't know. Just, yeah. And so, you see, when you have the inauguration of the new president and you need 25,000 soldiers at the capital. Right. An army, an army ready. <laughs> yes. So well, I, was, I was wondering, what, what, where is the enemy? Where is the army of the enemy? So, but this is the mindset. You see, this is the, the mindset. So because of that, uh, the, the, the notion of control is uh, we want to control the enemy. You see, I, I, I'm going to give you an, an example of something that uh, I, I was quite surprised. Uh, I, I do a lot of work in, in Manhattan and uh, with different advertising agencies, several clients and everything. Right? And whatever, whatever the subject is, right? it could be uh, uh, food, uh, condom, uh, shampoo, uh, whatever. Right? At a certain time, one of the lady in the group is going to tell me, don't you think it's all about control? Yes. All the time. Doesn't matter if it's food, is it about control? Is it sex? Is it about control? Is it, you know, control, 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 you see? Right. And what is quite interesting for me is that, uh, you know, the, the relationship between men and women in the American culture um, is difficult because of this notion of control. You see, uh, uh, my, my training in, in, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I did a lot of work in, in psychiatric hospital. Um, there is a notion very simple. The, the people that are uh, uh, constipated, uh, they're usually frigid. Uh, uh, and so th th that, that, that goes together, you see, and so because, and they cannot sleep, they're insomniac. Mm -hmm. So insomniac, frigid, uh, Sexually frigid or physically cold? And, and so you, 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 right. the, the thing is, in order to be able to stay alive, you need to accept to give up control at a certain time. Mm -hmm. To sleep, you have to give up control. To go to the bathroom, you have to give up control, yeah. you see? And so th that, that is a common structure here, which is quite interesting. So when, when I had uh, uh, somebody coming that was one of the symptoms, you know, I was looking at the other two. Yes. Okay. So if you cannot sleep, uh, what about uh, going to the bathroom? Is it okay? Oh, okay. So then I could really discover the, the common structure here. So, so in the American culture, um, and you know, I'm an American today. I don't want you to think that I'm criticizing the American culture. You see, uh, I, I was born in France, but I, I chose to become an American. Uh, why? Because I'd rather be part of an adolescent culture than a senile culture. Mm -hmm. You know, so the French are not going to like that, but you know, this is, uh, yeah, this, that was the past, you know. Yes. So this notion in America that we have is we have a dream. That the American code, I have a dream. People coming from all over the world come to America because they have a dream, you see. That, that and, and, and you know, this is uh, uh, so important. You know, I have a dream, you see, this is a, and so, we, people come and they want to fulfill, to discover, to improve, to go further. You see, it's amazing. I remember going to being in, in New York for the first time and the cab driver was coming from the Middle East. And so I start speaking with him and he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to school in the morning. Uh, I'm getting my MBA at night. Uh, and, uh, you know, and one day I'll be the president of the uh, taxi company. Yeah. You see, wow. <laughs> See, this, this is what so much, you know, so there is this uh, need for movement. That's why the pandemic is repressing that. You right. know, some culture lacks repression. You know, some culture, the Japanese, well, they're fine with repression. You know, uh, because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to uh, exist almost. You see, this is kind of an interesting culture. But in America, you want to move. You want to discover things. You want to create things. You want to reinvent yourself. You want to, and so this is this is a terrible situation for so the American culture. You mentioned something to me also the other day about uncertainty right now, um, and as yeah, yeah. we were talking about World War II a little bit, but that right now there's so much uncertainty. Um, again, where we yeah. want control and we have no idea. You talked about that we don't even know who to trust or what to trust. 
and everybody's an enemy. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is the end of science, which means that it's not the problem of science, it's the problem of the scientist. A real scientist doesn't know. He's mm -hmm. searching in a quest for information. So when you ask a scientist, and if he is honest, um, he say, you, I don't know yet, but I'm moving. I'm, I'm, uh, so we don't like that. When we are in danger, we want an answer, you see. So uh, scientists are out. Politicians, of course. We know that now they all, you know, trying to manipulate things and so, so, yeah. So, and then we are in a situation where everybody can be your enemy. Everybody can contaminate you. Your mother, I cannot trust my mother. Wow, what is this? Well, she, she might have the virus and she, you know, so. And they're doing that with the of, Kids don't get it. And yet everybody's making the kids the enemy because they're yeah. gonna kill grandma. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the, 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 the situation is that we are really uh, looking at each other, uh, being very careful. So, so the solution is to stay inside and not to communicate with anybody, which is impossible. Mm -hmm. Impossible. So the tension, the frustration, you know, I, I don't want to uh, sound like a, a, a predicting something bad, but I think that um, we have all the situation for violence. Well, we're, because we're, we're, have, right, we're like a volcano. Um, talk, yeah, about, talk about blame for a second, because there's this, it seems to me that they're frustrated and, but there's, there's a lot of blame going on versus, you know, yeah, I talked in the beginning about immunity, right? What can I do so that I reduce my yeah. chances of getting sick versus sit inside and hide, right? What can I do? To reduce my chances? Can I take vitamin D? Can I stop smoking? Can I make sure I exercise? All those things to help me be healthier. Um, but there's this blame game going on, be it social unrest, someone is, um, you know, offending me, stepping on me, pushing me out, not listening, like censoring me, this, that there's this, this blame behavior going on. And that too seems to be accelerating in the midst of the pandemic yeah you see the the, the, the problem with the blame game uh, is that you, you look backward and you try to find somebody or something that you can say well they, they are responsible mm -hmm. and so you're looking for a scapegoat somebody you can punch and kill and find but to move you have to go forward and if you're looking backward all the time you're never going to go forward so this, this is suddenly a disease. Uh, it's a neurosis, if you want. The thing about war, I was born during the Second War in, 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 in France under German occupation, right? Um, we didn't have time for neurosis. Neurosis is a luxury. <laughs> right. So why? Because you need to have time to think about, oh, should I do that? Or should I do that? Or should I do that? Or should I do that? Yeah. Uh, when you don't have an, any choice and you only try to survive, then that's it. The enemy is very clear. He has uniforms. You know exactly with the enemy. You know they're responsible. So it's not a blame game anymore. You're just fighting the enemy to survive, you see. And uh, the, 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 there is no time for neurosis. You see, this is no, no time. For, uh, and then after that, when the war is over, now you have to rebuild, you know, you have, right. the houses are, are down, you have to, so th there is action again, action again, doing things, you don't have time. I mean, only after a while, when we have uh, so much good food and pleasure and uh, so, oh, we start, you know, questioning things and yeah. So uh, it, it, it's, it's a luxury. This is why America, when, when you have the immigrants arriving, you see, um, they don't have time for neurosis. They want to get a job, they want to get a house, they want to get a car, they want to send their kids to college. I mean, this is very, very simple, you see, so. But after a while, when you, when you see all the, all the kids today that goes to universities, uh, that is, you know, cost usually 50, $60,000 a year, sometime more. Um, and, you know, and they start complaining mm -hmm. and they start arguing, you know, because they have the time. And they, they, they develop a completely neurotic attitude. Right. And now is it where, again, people, a lot of the businesses talk about how excited they are, that people are productive at home. 
um, that it's working fine having people working from home, but they don't have anything else to do. So there's this element of boredom. Back to the adolescence, bored kids and bored minds get in trouble. And they, you know, and sometimes you, you, you almost yeah. have to fight, right? Because I got nothing else to do. I might as well spend my time seeing, yeah. seeing who to blame. Now, you see, the, the, the situation you think about control, when you have three kids, uh, one is four-year-old, the other one is six, the other one is eight, uh, in the same house, 24-7, I mean, you can't control them. <laughs> then if you have a husband <laughs> that was not supposed to be here, he was supposed to be working, but now he's here also, and he wants you to do things. So now the poor woman has the three kids plus one adult, which is another kid. I mean, she is, ah, you know, what do you do with all that? I, you, know, you're not, and, you cannot control them. It's not possible. And she may be working so it, herself. Very... Yes. Sorry? So, and she may be working herself. She's got her own job, plus kid, plus husband. So, yeah, and besides all that, she has to work. Oh, my God, this is terrible. You know, this is, this is difficult. This is very difficult. Isn't the concept of blame antithetical to this whole American code of independence and achievement, that if we're driven by wanting to succeed and wanting to achieve and wanting to take chances, then what, it doesn't blame, isn't that kind of the opposite of that? Why, why are we doing both at the same time? Well, because neurosis is again to have two uh, contradictory contradiction, but, uh, the blame game is that if you don't succeed and you cannot blame anybody, then you are responsible. Mm -hmm. So that's your fault. You see, uh, for example, if you want to, be, to get rich and you don't get rich, so are you just dumb? Or you didn't read the right books? Or is it somebody else? Maybe another group, a minority or whatever that is taking over and, and forcing you to stay there. So you know, the situation again is uh, for me, the, the point is, what is hankering you in the past, mm -hmm. which is not letting you move ahead. And that is the problem, that's the neurosis. But if you say, okay, forget the past, let me move, let me do it. You see, I, I, I remember meeting somebody uh, that um, had, uh, unfortunately, spent some time in, in, a, in a camp during the Holocaust. Uh, and and uh, he, st he still had the number on, 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 on uh, his arm. And he told me, happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. Wow. Coming from this person after he had experience, mm -hmm. wow, you see. And I said, my God, you know, I don't have any right to be unhappy now. <laughs> you know, that should be my choice every morning, to be happy, you see. And, 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 and there's a lot of elements that are very true and resonate for me, you see. This is, this is a choice that you make all, all the time, you see. And so right now, America is in a difficult situation because a lot of people are choosing to be unhappy, mm -hmm. you see. And, and that, is, that is really a, a collective neurosis. Yeah. Well, that's, hence we're going to be doing this happiness webinar in a couple of weeks and, and doing a, a program about it, because I agree with you that there's, there's happiness in us, but we're, they're not, they're, they're, they're yeah. choosing not happy. Um, let me shift it a little bit because I, I never go dabble in politics and stuff, but I'm so frightened and I'm so confused. So you talk about how culture and codes change very slowly at glacial pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet right now, it seems like there's an acceleration of change where, again, the social unrest, the conversation about the blame game and the gender issues and the racial issues and the let's give everybody money, the whole progressive socialist driven agenda, which is so not American, um, and all of those pieces, and when we've got the lineup of the media and the schools and different groups that are all giving this consistent message, are we in a code revolution? Like, are we, you know, normally say the pendulum swings, right? So we'll go liberal, we'll go conservative, and it'll go back, back and forth. Are we, going, are we going to swing back or are we, are we going to swing off 
off the rails. I mean, what? Yeah. You see, the, 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 the collective unconscious is organized through forces. In the American culture, you have a tension with different forces going into different directions. And so at a certain time, we love prohibition. Prohibition. I think what like 15 years of you could not produce alcohol or drink alcohol. So prohibition. But on the other hand, the tension, we have freedom. Mm -hmm. And so at a certain time, we are in the prohibition phase, and then we move to the freedom phase, and then we move back to, you know, so it, it usually a generation uh, might be, might go from one to, to the other, you see. So right now, we have a new generation that is into prohibition, political correctness. Yes. There are things that you, the word you cannot even use, you know, or, or immediately you, okay. So that is the time that, that where you have this prohibition. But sooner or later, the children of these people are going to rebel against them. Do you think <laughs> and so? they are going to be into freedom. You see, the, the, the joke is to say you have two hippies, you know, with long hair and flowers, and, and they have a child uh, that is like 12 year old, is already a three piece suit with a tie and everything, and say, I want to be like you, I want to be a better. <laughs> you see? So think about that. You see, the, if, if you want to create a free people that want freedom, you have to reinforce fascism. And what, what, what we have now in this political correctness is some kind of ideology and fascism. And these people are going to react against them. the next generation is going to be against them. So I believe in the balance like this in the American culture. In some other cultures, like the French culture, is decadence. They don't have this tension. Yes. And so they, they, they cannot experience pleasure. And so they lost completely uh, the, the, the goal of the culture, the, the dimension of the culture, you see. And, and today, they are very, very depressed. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, but Prozac, biggest market in Europe, is France. Oh, no, I didn't know that. But I know they that very, Prozac only works half the time. Sorry? I know that Prozac only I works. I could hear you. I said, I didn't realize that France was their biggest market. I know that Prozac is not effective for a whole lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but you see, they, 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 you know, they, they uh, drink a lot, of course, but, but yes. they eat a lot. But they, they, are, they are, you know, they know what, what is good, what is pleasure, because they know the expectation is very high. So they criticize all the time. They are unhappy all the time. Now they go to a restaurant and, and you know, they, and they expect a certain, and they don't get the service they want, so they're very unhappy even if the food is good. So the French are going through a crisis and, you know, it, it, unfortunately, uh, decadence uh, happened in some cultures. You see, for, for a long time, the Egyptian were the top of the top and the Chinese and, and then, the, you know, after that, they, they disappeared. Nobody went. So we cannot say that this is going to be forever. You see that. But the point about America for me is it's a nation of immigrants, as you say. Right? But there are new immigrants coming all the time. Mm -hmm. oh. and so they're coming with the same hope, the same desire, the same adolescent attitude that we're going to make it. So I know, I know some people that uh, are, are three or fourth generation American, uh, they want to move to Europe. <laughs> you know, they say, oh, let's go to Europe. But the new people that risk their life to come to America, they don't want to go to Europe. They, they want to, uh, and they want to make it in, in America. And so because of that, there is new blood coming again all the time, all the time in, in the American culture. And so I, I, I think the, the, the American culture um, is still alive. It's still very dynamic, even if today we have a lot of tensions and things, but I, I believe that, you know, we will move to from prohibition to more freedom. Is there anything that people can or should do um, to regain their control in a world where they're out of control? And maybe no, it's yeah. like happiness is a choice. Is there any, you know, how can, how can people re, regain their equilibrium in this yeah. out of control, out of balance, 
frustrated adolescent yeah. world. Yeah, you see, I, 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 I don't know if you have known many adolescents, mm -hmm. but I did some work for a while with adolescents. Yes. And you don't control them, forget them. <laughs> you don't control them. It's not possible. <laughs> well, I know, but now we, so have a, we have 300 million adolescents who are, you know, yelling at each other on Facebook, burning down the country. The, yeah. the, how do, and some of them, I think, are so, there's so much, you know, I think that these, the, there's pockets of extremes on all sides. And I don't think we can talk about extremists in any way. But there's the vast majority of people just want to live a good life. And they're frustrated as well. And they're drinking and eating and depressed and all these yeah. things. So I'm just talking about in terms of do they just need to find the control, the controllables, find what they can control, help them to, you know, find, get, have them get, get a project, something that they can feel like they're moving in their life so they can feel okay. some progress and control. You see, I've, I've, I've done some work on control. Mm -hmm. uh, for a company called Allianz. Allianz is a German company from Munich and they sell insurance. And so in insurance for, in, for the German, uh, German are very much into control. They want to control everything. Mm -hmm. You see, they want to control the children, they control the dog. You know, there are places where you cannot even move in uh, apartment building if you have children, because children, you know, of course, no dogs, no cat, you know, control, control. Right. So th that's part of the German culture. We have to understand control according to the cultural background. Mm -hmm. Culture for American is not, control for American is not control for the German. Mm -hmm. You see, G German, they're very comfortable if, if they control everything. You see, this is, uh, and they anticipate, anticipate. Uh, and uh, we, we do session in Germany and, uh, you know, we have imprinting session with, 20, 25 people together. And I, they asked me to send them all the criteria, all the requirements, like three months ahead of time. And last time I went there and I said, oh, by the way, uh, you know, one week before the session, I said, oh, we need, we need to change some things. Change something? No way. Too late. <laughs> right. You see, they have no flexibility, no flexibility at all. This is it. This is, you know, the, the respect the rules and and so now if you go to Italy, oh they love the changes. They always want to change everything. You see, so so that's again Italian control is not German control. <laughs> you know, and American control is an adolescent control. You see, so uh, we have to understand the notion. Of, but notion of trust, for example, uh, another thing that we study in different cultures are. Can you trust? You know, today we are in a situation where you cannot trust the experts, you cannot trust the doctors, you cannot trust the politician. You cannot. You, 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 who can you trust? You see this, is, and so the notion of trust is shrinking, and yeah. people have less and less choices of who they're going to trust. Now, I know you have a you have a dog. You know, I have a dog also. I love my dog. I trust my dog. I know when he's going to make a mistake, he always make the same mistake. So I'm not surprised, you see. Right. So, but it's very difficult to control other people today, you see. And so the notion of uncertainty is going to force us to be very creative, to be flexible, to adapt to different situations. That's the good signs of what is happening here. Uh, be flexible, change, adapt. You see, uh, I, I, I think it's always interesting to do something uh, dangerous every day <laughs> because it stimulates your mind. <laughs> you know, the, the, what kills creativity is the routine, doing everything, the same thing every day. And that's the danger of being of confinement that you might have a, a, a routine here. Yeah? But we, we, need to, we need to adapt. We need to learn uh, to be creative in, in situations that we we're not familiar with yes okay well and as you said adapt and which then gives me some level of control well i can't control yeah. the outside i can't you know in california they can't control whether they can go into the restaurant or not unless they have yeah. Yeah. grand you know um 
you know, grand demonstrations, but but I think important. In, in, in France, uh, uh, they have confinement. Yes. And uh, you cannot go out after six o'clock. Uh, um, they discover that they had a group of people, 2,500 people that spent three days in an old factory having a party. <laughs> 2,500 people, okay? Right. So, and, and the, the police arrived. Uh-oh, you froze. Let's see if you'll come back in a second. I don't know if anybody knows this, but actually the internet is out where Dr. Rapai is in France and he is on a, on data because they don't, they have no internet service. They're having France, France's infrastructure is not quite what, what the United States is speaking of being appreciative of what we have in America. So let's see if he's gonna come back. He might freeze for a second or we might have lost him, but we were wrapping up. So I'm going to wrap this up with Dr. Rapai, who important lessons to learn, to you know, just to recap what we've been talking about, just in terms of America's adolescence, which is great, our youthful desire for control and for um, you know change and movement, and that's that's leading to this this volcanic explosion within us. So we need to figure out a way to control that, understand that that's what's going on and the frustration, find where you can control, what you can control at this point in time, including the choices in your life, including your health, including your happiness. I think, God bless him. I love that statement that happiness is a choice, especially coming from someone that had been in a concentration camp. How powerful is that? So think about this. Think about as we're looking at this cultural swing where do we want America to be? Where do you want yourself to be? And how can we work together to find that equilibrium since we all want the same? All right, I'm Sarah Heiner. Thank you so very much for being here. Again, watch the other videos, download the Immune Booster, get yourself healthy so that we can all get out of our homes and get out of these, these lockdowns and come join us again and watch, watch your... Uh, Facebooks for announcements about all of our future stuff. So thank you so much. And Dr. Rapai, you're not here at the moment, but thank you so much. You were absolutely brilliant and inspiring. We're living in an unprecedented time when trust in our media and news sources are at an all time low. It seems that everyone has an agenda, if not a political one, then a business one, as media companies are beholden to advertisers or shareholders. Well, not at bottom line. We're a family-owned business and have been free from the influence of advertising since our start nearly 50 years ago, focused solely on helping people live happier, more fulfilled lives. Our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, provides advice that can be put into action each day, helping people do better and feel better. Thousands of top, highly respected, truth-seeking experts have appeared in Bottom Line Personal on topics in all areas of life, including healthcare, financial planning, home improvement tips, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.